0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks Podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty, and I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. I love the NFL. I watch every game, every week. And I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have on store today. We're actually going to analyze my last or my most recent uh, startup draft that I did about this time last year, last May. Uh, we had a group of guys get together to form a new league. And so it's really helpful to go back and look at your, your draft strategy and what had, took place during that, that draft. And so I want to kind of give you an open, honest assessment of my team, what I was thinking during the draft process. So thanks for giving me a week off last week. Life just got busy, and so I was only able to post an article and, and do one podcast. Uh, I had to wait for two weeks, um, so I appreciate your patience with that, but I think this will be a really fun topic. So last year, um, last May, I participated in a startup draft. It's a new league that I formed. Um, I'm the, the commission of the league. we we'll are calling it the Die Hard Dozen League. And that's because we invited some of our most active and favorite owners from many different leagues that I'm a part of to start this new league together. Uh, if you've been playing Dynasty very long, you know that often what happens is you get in a league and there's other people that just don't treat it as seriously as you do. Maybe they don't follow during the off season like you do. And so uh, you can kinda of get bored of those leagues or wish, man, like I wish I could just have an ideal league where everyone's involved year round. And so that was our aim in starting this diehard league was to get guys that are the most active Several different leagues that we're a part of and draw them all into one super active league. And so far it's been really fun. We've had a very active league with a lot of chatter. We use GroupMe and so there's kind of, you know, some, not so much trash talk, but people talking, you know, about different moves and plays and stuff like that. Even here during the off season to see people chiming in during free agency and where their players landed, where they were upset or where they were happy. It's been a real fun league so far. Um, There's been a lot of trades that have taken place, too, which is exciting. I think our whole first round this next year in the rookie draft in 2019 is completely mixed up from what the, you know, normal draft order would be. So you love a league like that. It's truly a diehard league. Let me tell you just a bit about how I did in the first year of this league. I finished the regular season in first place. I had the best record and I had the highest scoring team. And so that actually earned me a bye week in the playoffs. Which, of course, you know how the playoffs go in Dynasty, in, in any fantasy, really. Um, I lost in the first round of the playoffs to a team that started, if you remember, a week uh, 15 last year. Roddy Anderson and Mike Williams went ridiculous. They scored five touchdowns total. And so I lost in the first round of the playoffs, so that was a drag. But, hey, my team looks really good. I'm excited about it, excited to share with you a bit about my team because I think I'm really poised to have a great team going forward as well. So, one of the best things that you can do as a dynasty owner is actually go back and review your startup drafts from the previous years. You know, whenever you've done one, go back a year, maybe even if you collect them, you know, you can go back several years back to see things that you can improve on. Um, now, circumstances, of course, change things and players' values rise and fall uh, pretty quickly. So, a number of different circumstantial things could come up that you really couldn't maybe necessarily blame yourself or say there's anything that you could learn from. But if you're honest and you go back and look at your draft, you can actually see a lot of things that you could learn from, like oh wow, I, I was thinking this. I think if I do my next startup draft, I would have. I am going to do something differently this next time. So I am going to be honest with you, so you can uh, spot where I won and lost in the draft. I'll try to be honest about my draft here. And so, because this was a thirty-two round uh, dra- uh, startup draft, thirty-two rounds, twelve teams, so we had a ton of players off the board. What I am going to do this week is just share with you what I did through picks one through sixteen, and next week. I hope to do the, uh, share with you how, what I did in Picks 17 through 32. Obviously, there will be a lot less commentary on Picks 17 through 32. There's a lot of reaching that's going on at that point. Uh, but I think this first this first podcast here of Picks 1 through 16 can be pretty informative. Uh, before I tell you about my Picks 1 through 16, uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, the actual league itself. Helps to know what the settings are, right? So it's a 12-team league uh, with a $100 fab uh, for our free agency our waiver wire budget. It's a one quarterback league, but we try to make the quarterbacks be a little bit more valuable. So it's six points per passing touchdown. It's a half PPR league with pretty standard scoring for all the just regular you know yardage bonuses that you get. The only difference is we do have uh, some special bonuses for for yardage thres- thresholds. So if you get to 100 yards as a running back and receiver, you get, I think, a three-point bonus. And same for quarterbacks when they get to 300 yards. So One more thing to mention about the draft before I uh, talk about the picks that I made was this draft was in May, and so the uh, 2018 rookies were actually mixed into the draft, so that made it really fun to actually not have a rookie draft but mix the rookies into the entire draft. As for my draft spot, I drew the number 10 spot in a 12-team league. Uh, Generally, my strategy is to go with the best player available overall. I don't necessarily subscribe to one particular strategy, but there was one thing that I intentionally tried to do in this draft. Uh, The only strategy that I was pretty committed to, particularly given the spot, when I knew I was at pick number 10, this is when I decided I needed to develop this strategy, was my aim uh, was to get uh, good uh, veteran wide receivers early, since I knew most of those top-tier running backs were going to be gone by pick number 10. Um, And then my goal was to get some really stud, young, uh, rookie running backs even. And I was actually going to try to avoid rookie receivers. I wanted to be kind of a win-now team. Uh, with enough youth, but I wanted to focus my youth on the running back position, so I didn't have to wait for developing young receivers, but my, my young rookie running backs could actually start off strong, and hopefully I'd have a really strong wide receiver core of veterans. So that was my aim, and you'll see how it actually played out during this draft. I, I, I pretty much hit my goal on that strategy, and it paid off pretty well. So with all that being said, here's an assessment of the first half of my 2018 startup draft in the Die Hard Dozen League. So pick number 10, um, I picked Antonio Brown. Um, as expected, all the stud running backs had already been taken. The next two running backs that were taken after I picked um, Antonio Brown were Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette. Um, and Those were two guys Just I just wasn't interested in grabbing them, uh, those two running backs, too early. So it kind of felt like I thought it did, and I was going to go with wide receivers pretty early. Uh, Brown was the third wide receiver off the board, so only OBJ and Hopkins were picked ahead of him in the first round. Um, I love Brown, have loved him forever, and just feel like in a half PPR League. He's just money in the bank playing for Pittsburgh. Um, so he ended up uh, the year at the number five ranked, ranked wide receiver in this league. So I was super pleased with that to get the number five ranked receiver in the first round. Now, uh, that's way back then. Now we got to fast forward to today, right? And so I'll tell you just on the side, this off season, I was deeply concerned about Brown's behavior and uh, his future landing spot after he demanded to be traded. And so I actually ended up trading him um, for Adam Phelan who actually in this league scored nine fewer points than Brown last year, and he's three years younger. So I thought, here we got a guy that scored almost the exact same, minus nine points than Brown last year, um, and he's three years younger. Now, I'm not going to say at all that that Phelan's near as good as Antonio Brown. Like, that's ridiculous. But when I assess the whole situation, and now that we know that he landed on Oakland, I think I would rather have Phelan than Brown, or they're at least very, very close. And what was really a kicker for me is, in addition to just this, it wasn't just a straight-up trade in the trade, because I finished the year as the top team, but because I lost in the playoffs, I had the number 10 rookie pick this year. So I traded away uh, 1.10 and 2.10 to move up and get this guy's 1.2 and 2.2. So I've got pick number 2 and pick number 14 instead of pick number 10 and 24 in this year's rookie draft in addition to Thielen. So I felt like that was a great trade. I feel like Antonio's only going to go down where Thielen still has a little bit of room in a couple years that he can go up. So that was my first pick. Flipping back around on my second pick, which was pick number 15 or 2.3 in this rookie draft, um, I really, really wanted Devontae Adams. That was my real hope going into the whole draft as I played it out in my head. I thought if I could get Antonio and then Devontae Adams, I'd be thrilled. But, of course, my buddy Dave Muggy picked him right in front of me. You'll see in this whole draft I've got one buddy named Dave Muggy and another for, uh, buddy named Dave Brown, and they were each on each side of me, and they kept sniping my picks, which is expected because these guys are great uh, dynasty players. So I debated here since Adam was gone. I really debated between the top receivers that were there. I wasn't happy about the running backs. Uh, Devon Cook and Leonard Fournette had already gone off the board. And, again, I was going to stick with my strategy of trying to get two solid receivers, come back, and then get some young running backs. So Julio Jones and Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen were the ones that I was debating. Um, I didn't go with Julio for sure because of the age difference. I just thought that Keenan Allen had a lot more years than Julio had. Um, I still feel pretty confident about that um long term uh, for my team but looking back I actually do wish I would have drafted uh, Thomas I had a little bit of questions about Michael Thomas just feeling like it was uncertain that he could produce as well as he had like I thought maybe he had already hit his ceiling like some of his best years I just didn't think he could keep duplicating those but he certainly did that said I was also really high on Alan too because Alan had been injured so much that I thought man get this guy a full year and he's going to be incredible and, of course, he was. And, and when you look back at the end of the year, he ended as the number 12 wide receiver overall. So picking him up in the second round, um, I'm very pleased with that and for my team going forward. Switching back now down around to the third round, which was pick number 34. So here we go. Um, about 21 picks later, 19 picks later, it's my, my job again here. And this time I picked up Nick Chubb. Now, i said this before in many of the podcasts and things that I've written, that Nick Chubb was my number two-ranked rookie in last year's class behind Saquon, and I really had it like two tiers. Saquon was a tier to himself, Chubb was a tier to himself, and then it was just kind of, you know, take your guess on the next best running backs in last year's rookie draft. So I was super thrilled to get Chubb because he, one, was my number two rookie, and it fell right in line with my strategy that I was going for, trying to draft two solid wide receivers and come back and take uh, a good rookie running back. Now, I told you he was my number two ranked rookie last year, but apparently he wasn't to others because, listen, to all these guys went before Chubb. Rashad Penny, Darius Geis, and Sonny Michaud were all drafted before it came up to me in pick number 34 when I picked Chubb. Chubb, of course, finished this year way ahead of all of those guys. He finished the year as a number 11 running back in this league, and and that was done when he didn't even become the starter until the second half of the year, right? It was incredible. I really believe that Cleveland's offense is on the rise, and I could not be any happier about uh, this third pick that I made in this rookie draft. My fourth pick was pick number 39, so kind of coming back around the turn, only had to wait uh, five picks to get this next player. And here I went with LaShawn McCoy. Uh, What I was trying to do here is I was trying to mix up an older uh, versus a safer— mix in an older and safer veteran running back. I knew that Carlos Hyde at the time was in front of Chubb, and that it might take him some time to earn the starting job. So this time I just kind of wanted to get a guy that I was pretty sure would get 15 to 20 touches a game. Um, I was worried, honestly, about the Bills' offense and how it would function with the rookie quarterback and Josh Allen. Um, my worries were confirmed, right? Uh, injuries and a bad offense meant that McCoy actually rarely started a game for me last year, probably just the first few games, and it was enough to say, oh, I don't think I can start him on my team anymore. Um, I'm more hopeful in the year to come, especially since Josh Allen showed like tremendous improvement at the end of the year. Um, unfortunately, he was doing that when McCoy was hurt, so we couldn't see how uh, they would play together. But I'm I'm more hopeful. If I'm honest, though, looking back, I wish I would have drafted a tight end at that point. Um, uh, Evan Ingram went right before my pick, and then Ertz went a few picks later. And I look back at it now, uh, particularly with my tight end situation, and think, man, I wish I would have maybe grabbed one of those tight ends there. And uh, fact, too, is that T.Y. Hilton was also available there. And T.Y. was one that I had been debating, but I was concerned, not just sure about if Andrew Luck was going to be completely healthy. But looking back at it now, I wish I would have had uh, T.Y. Hilton there as well. But I'm hopeful for McCoy in this next year. Maybe he can provide another year or two of uh, uh, life for me. I actually had several trade offers for him this offseason for people that are kind of weak at running back and just wanted thought maybe they could come after an older guy. I'm still very willing to trade him, but nothing came across as really the right pick for me. My next pick, I was super happy for. Um, again, I had to wait 19 different picks uh, before I drafted in the fifth round. Carryon Johnson. Again, I stuck to my plan to get rookie running backs. And the fact was that I had carry on ranked much higher than uh, all the other uh, all the other people in this league. Obviously, uh, Ronald Jones was the one guy that was drafted ahead of Carryon, but I had a Carryon um, much higher than I had Rashawn Penny and Sony Michelle. Only Darius Geist did I have ahead of on Johnson in my rankings that year. So Ronald Jones went between those two. Um, I I was honestly worried about on being injury-prone. Like, that was kind of the knock on him. I was worried about it, but I felt like I was willing to take the risk right there. And it kind of proved to be true. He did miss about half the season because of injuries. But even so, he finished as the the running back number 21. So he finished, you know, in the top 24. You could say he would be a a starter every week if he's in the top 24 uh, for this 12-team league. I love that Detroit made some offseason moves, both with coaches and with players, to indicate that they plan to be an even more run heavy team. So I'm thrilled to have Chubb and Johnson. Uh, yes, insert your joke here. I've got Chubb and Johnson as my number one and number two backs in this coming year. I really feel like I nailed it even when I got these picks just as I had planned. Uh, maybe not so much with McCoy, but four out of my first five picks were right on point. Next to the sixth round, so this was just five picks after taking carry Johnson. Um, I drafted Carlos Hyde. Now, personally, I've always loved Hyde, um, though here I picked him up at this point in the draft really to be more of a handcuff for, for Nick Chubb. I was pretty sure that Chubb would eventually win the job and beat out Hyde, but I figured that Hyde would start the season getting more carries, and that's exactly what happened, right? Hyde started while a lot of uh, – Hyde, but Hyde did start a lot of games for me uh, before Chubb beat him out. And so Hyde uh, – and, and that was when Hyde got drafted in, or traded to Jacksonville, rather – But at the start of the season, Hyde was an every-week starter for me because he played pretty well. He was scoring about 12 points a week for the first six weeks of the season. And so it kind of worked out for me in the sense that I had Hyde for the games that I needed him at the start of the season before Chubb became the lead back there and Hyde got shipped off. Of course, when he got shipped off to Jacksonville, he didn't do anything for me. But here is a kicker. And sometimes you just get lucky, right? I just feel like I got lucky right here because Hyde's off-season free agency landing spot in Kansas City You'll see as I kind of walk through this draft, particularly uh, next week, that it, he was the first among many ideal landing spots for players on my team. A lot of the free agents on my team that I drafted landed in, in uh, just awesome spots for me and for the building of my team. So I'm thrilled to see him split time with Damian Harrison, particularly because last year when uh, Kareem Hunt was cut, I picked up Damian Williams. Uh, I said Damian Harrison, did I? I meant Damian Williams. I picked up Damian uh, Williams at the end of last year after Kareem Hunt was kicked off the team. So now, in addition to having Chubb and Johnson, I've also got uh, Hyde and Damian Williams. I've got both Kansas City backs to pair with uh, Chubb and with Johnson. If I was to start my starting lineup this week, it would definitely be Chubb, Johnson, and Damian Williams in the lineup. But should Damian get hurt? I love, uh, I've love i always loved Carlos Hyde as a player and feel like uh, he landed in a perfect spot for me. So he's got new life. I'm excited about that. Next we go on to pick number... 7th in the 7th round. This is another one that I feel like I did great at. So this was 19 picks later after Carlos Hyde, I drafted Robert Woods. And here, what I wanted to do is I just wanted a super reliable PPR receiver. This is a half PPR league, so I wanted to get those points, and I just feel like I nailed it by drafting Robert Woods. Check this out. He finished the season in this league as a number 11 wide receiver in this league. So in this league, I ended up last year with a number five, Antonio Brown, number 11, Robert Woods, number 12, Keenan Allen, wide receivers. And I'm convinced that's what made my team the highest-scoring team in the league, like these receivers. And listen to these receivers that were picked up before Robert Woods. In the same round that I picked up Robert Woods, DJ Moore, Devin Funches, Larry Fitzgerald, and Will Fuller. And I still have Woods ranked way ahead of these guys in my own dynasty rankings. And so I feel like I just got a steal there in the seventh round to pick up Robert Woods, uh, who was an every-week starter for me this entire year. We turn it around now to pick number eight in the eighth round, five picks after Robert Woods. I picked up Jack Doyle. There were nine tight ends that had already been taken off the board at this point. Uh, I had Doyle ranked as my next highest tight end, so I felt like it was time to draft one. Um, Andrew Luck loves to throw uh, to his tight ends. He totally loves it, and so, uh, so does uh, Frank Reich, loves to throw to his tight ends too Um, but who knew that stupid Eric Ebron would step in and become the number four tight end on the year that was pretty frustrating Um, I was confident in the pick and my process I still believe that the pick and my process are right but injuries uh, really became Doyle's downfall last year with Ebron's success I have moved Doyle down and I've moved Ebron up in my rankings but they're still really close to each other because I believe that luck and right will make both Ebron and Doyle great next year as I looked down the draft board, I did see that O.J. Howard was the next tight end that was drafted. He was drafted 10 spots after I drafted Doyle, and if I'm honest, I definitely have to say I'd much rather have O.J. Howard, so I wish I would have drafted Howard there. Um, I still believe in Doyle and Andrew Luck and Frank Wright and believe that Doyle's going to be good this next year if he can stay healthy. Here's where I feel like I went off the reservation a bit here. I <laughs> picked number 9 in the ninth round, so pick number 106. 19 picks after Jack Doyle. Um, I picked Nelson Aguilar. Um, I wish I could have this pick back. I remember actually being really upset because my buddy Dave Brown drafted Andrew Luck two spots before me, which is exactly what I was aiming for. That round, I was hoping to get Andrew Luck, Um, but I didn't get him because he was picked two picks before me. And then I remember uh, several rookies were drafted um, in this round, too, rookie receivers like Christian Kirk and, and Michael Gallup. But at this point, I was still committed to my plan to avoid rookie wide receivers um, it just felt like it was too early, and I wanted to get guys that had proven something at least. So I was really debating between Nelson Aguilar and Sterling Shepard. Those are the two that I just went back and forth on trying to figure out which one I wanted. I ended up picking Aguilar, I think largely because I thought that you know he's got a younger quarterback and they could kind of pair up with each other a little bit longer. wasn't confident in Eli's ability to uh, stay you know, with the Giants for too much longer. They ended up about equal. Aguilar finished as the number 39 wide receiver, while Shepard finished as the number 37th. So uh, pretty close, but here's where I feel like uh, I missed. And, you know, circumstances change, so you can't really predict this kind of stuff. But Shepard's outlook looks really great now that OBJ has been traded, right? He's going to be the number one receiver on that team. That's definitely going to be a run-first team, but still he's going to be the number one and was paid in the offseason as such. And so uh, I'm hoping that Aguilar could firm up the slot role in Philadelphia, but, man, they sure seem committed to using their tight ends over the middle. Uh, Ertz is awesome, and Goddard's just going to get better there in Philadelphia. And I just don't know how many targets Aguilar is going to get and what his use will be there in the middle of the field. So I feel like I missed on that one. I wish I had Shepard. I'd feel a lot better if, if I would have drafted Shepard, particularly given the offseason changes. Moving now to pick number 10. Pick number 10 was Jamal Williams. Um, I picked him. I was a firm believer that Williams was better than Aaron Jones at that time. I felt like he was especially better in pass protection. you got to protect Aaron Rodgers. I did believe that Jones was more explosive, but I felt like Williams was just more down-to-down consistent, and that Jones is also injury-prone too, so I thought even if Jones wins the job, he'll likely get hurt, and uh, Williams you know, could start for me for a few games. So I was very willing to pick him up at this point in the draft. After another full year of watching both these two, Williams and Jones, um, I have reversed course. I do favor Jones above Williams, um, but I still see Williams as a valuable asset. So here's what I did this offseason, actually. This offseason, I traded Jamal Williams to the Aaron Jones owner for his 2020 second-round pick, which I'm very excited about the 2020 draft class. I feel like it's going to be awesome, and I just wanted to pick up a few extra uh, second-round picks if I could. First round, certainly, but I couldn't make anything like that work. But I was happy to trade him for a second-round pick in 2020. The team that I traded with is kind of a middle to the bottom of the pack by my estimation, so it could could end up being a pretty high Uh, pick in the second round for me. I felt like with my depth at running back now that I had Chubb and Johnson and McCoy and both Kansas City backs, I felt like I could definitely get rid of Jamal Williams and was happy to get a second round pick in 2020 in return. Next pick in the 11th round, um, 19 picks after Jamal Williams, I pick up Jameis Winston. Um, I love this pick even though it didn't help me at all last year, right? It was horrible last year. At this point in the draft, 11 uh, quarterbacks had already come off the board. I felt like it was time just to shore up that position for me, as evidenced by my next pick, which you'll see. Uh, Jameis fell in the draft, if you remember, because of his three-game suspension that he was facing. So I think he would have been drafted quite a bit earlier, but people just didn't want to mess with that, maybe in the first year of this league. Uh, But I was willing to take the risk. It was ridiculous back and forth this year between he and Fitzpatrick. Uh, Both of them played incredible at times. Um, But because they were just so back and forth, they couldn't decide on who the starter was. He rarely started a game for me this last year. Um, that said, I'm actually really excited about this off season and what's happening with, with Winston due to the coaching changes. I believe that Bruce Arians, now that he's there at Tampa Bay, he'll make Winston into a better quarterback. I'm convinced of that. He'll be a guy that's pretty up and down that can happen. A guy that I'd like to stream, which I'm fine with that because the next guy I picked up in the next round, five picks later is the perfect guy because uh, he's so consistent. In round 12, I picked up Philip Rivers. And I just love Rivers, I always have, because he's just so consistent. He's as consistent as they come. He's always a top 12 quarterback year to year. So you guarantee, like whenever you pick him up, people don't like him, but he's going to be consistent. He's going to make me a top 12 quarterback for sure. In this league this last year, he finished as a number 10 quarterback. Um, So he ended up definitely being like an every week starter for me. He was just in the lineup no matter what for me. And I love this uh, kind of in the future. uh, Rivers is getting a little bit older, but Jameis, of course, is really young. And I love that I can pair them up with a Winston who's kind of up and down and I can play him on the weeks when there's a great matchup and then I can just stick in Rivers anytime I'm not confident in Winston and Rivers will always deliver a consistent game. That was my 12th round pick. Four more now here. We've got uh, my 13th round pick was uh, pick number 154. It was Marquise Lee. Here's Here's what I was thinking at this point. At this point, I was just looking all around the league to see if there was someone, one team whose number one wide receiver hadn't been drafted. And there was. It was in Jacksonville. Um, I really believed that Marquise Lee had become the number one target for Blake Bortles at the end of 2017 season. He really came on and finally showed that he was the the great receiver that he was coming out of college. And it felt like he was finally starting to hit the peak of his breakout. And so I was excited to draft him there, thinking that, man, this late in the draft of the 13th round, I've, I've got someone's number one receiver, right? Well, unfortunately, he tore his ACL before the season started, and I had to move him straight to the IR spot on my team. Um, that said, I still believe in him. Um, I believe that uh, the season started, uh, I believe, believe in him so much that I held him. So I held him on my IR all year, and then at the end of the season, we have, we have to, used to have to cut back down to, to uh, 30 players, or in this league it was 27 players. So you got to move guys up off of IR, and if you're going to move them up off of IR, you have to drop someone. And Marquise Lee was someone that I was happy to uh, pull up off of IR and drop someone else from my team. Still confident that he could work his way back into being the number one receiver. Now his situation has completely changed because Nick Foles is the quarterback. So the verdict's still out on this one, but I'm happy to uh, hold him and feel like it was worth keeping him on IR all year. Um, I will say this, though, I keep mentioning this, I keep getting sniped. One of my buddies that kept sniping me during this draft sniped me because this was the point when I was actually willing to break from my not drafting rookie receivers. I felt like it was long enough now into the draft where I was willing to do it. I was all set to take Dante Pettis, who I actually have now ranked as my highest rate, uh, ranked rookie for the 2018 rookie class. So he was my highest ranked rookie for a receiver. Was planning on not, not during the draft, but he is now. I was planning on taking him there, but my buddy Dave drafted him two spots before me. Yep. I got sniped again. Next we move, to the 14th round In the 14th round, um, I felt like it was time to really take a risk, and so I took a risk, risk by uh, drafting Tyler Eifert. I really wanted to draft D.D. Westbrook with this pick so that I could have both Jacksonville receivers in case Westbrook became the number one um, in Jacksonville over Marquise Lee, uh, but he was taking the pick before me, so I was sniped again. Um, I decided just to take a chance on Eifert and the rare chance that he could remain healthy uh, for that year. Um, it seemed fair, um, seemed like a fair point in the draft to take a risk. When I look back at the uh, players that were drafted in that round, there were a lot of rookie wide receivers, there were rookie quarterbacks, there were defenses, and even a kicker was drafted in that round, believe it or not. So when I looked at all that, I didn't feel like Eifert was the worst choice uh, for me. I was willing to take that risk. Ended up that it was a very poor choice because probably the best player, well, definitely the best player that was drafted in that round was Baker Mayfield, who was drafted right after I drafted Tyler Eifert. I really wish I could have that one back, especially after seeing the player that I picked next, which I'll share in a minute. Eifert was the uh, highest-drafted player um, that I that I dropped from my team, so I ended up dropping him shortly after he got his first injury. I just didn't feel like I had roster space to mess with it, and this league has three IR spots, and I remember I had Marquis Lee on IR. I later, you'll hear about this next week, but I had Deion Kane on IR. and just didn't feel like I could waste a spot for Eifert. I think I, thought I probably threw him on my IR until I had to drop someone else that I valued more I think he got picked back up and is on a, another uh, squad right now, but I was happy to be rid of him. He was my highest drafted player that's no longer on my team. Speaking of no longer on my team, in the fifteenth round, I drafted Alex Smith. Oops, <laughs> I would have much rather had Baker Mayfield in that last round. Ah, that's so painful to look. But here was my logic at the time. My logic at the time was that um, I really wanted to find like a steady quarterback that I could that I could have, you know, in case Winston got into any more trouble on or off the field. Or if Rivers got hurt, I felt like I wanted to have a third quarterback, and they were starting to get dried up. And Smith had just moved to Washington, and I just felt like he had been he had been decent, or you could even say good wherever he was. Particularly that last year in Kansas City, he was awesome, and I really liked Jay Gruden's offense and his offensive mind. I thought that he could basically come in and be exactly the same play to the exact same levels Kirk Cousin had played, and Kirk Cousin was a regular top ten quarterback in that offensive system. I just thought Alex Smith can do that. He can come in. and He'll be not much worse than Cousins. But the fact was that he was. For whatever reason, he wasn't as good as Cousins was in that system. Multiple reasons you could probably suggest. And then worst of all, he ended the year with a possible career-ending injury. And so after that injury, hearing how serious it was, I dropped him from my team um, almost right away. And even to this day, I still only carry two quarterbacks in that league. I still just have Winston and Rivers. So that's what I'm rolling with. Uh, so both pick number 14 and number 15 are no longer on my team. And keeping that streak going, my 16th-round player is Rashad Matthews. Uh, picked him up in the 183rd pick, uh, the 16.3 uh, draft position. The fact is that I always like the way that Matthew, Matthews produced more than he expected. So when he was with Miami, he would always produce more than anyone really realized or expected. Um, he did during his first year at Tennessee also. And I just thought, hey, year two, he's going to get better. He's going to get more put into the system. And it didn't really happen. Uh, Part of that was due to injury. Part of that was due not just to his injury, but the injury of um, Marcus Mariota. Just The offense itself just played horrible last year, and none of the receivers there uh, did very much, which you'll see next week there were several other stabs that I tried to take at the Tennessee offense that uh, didn't pan out. And so I just felt like – he was worth taking the chance there and thought he had the most upside, but now when I look back at that draft, that that uh, the, that round, rather, round 16, was filled with receivers. These were the receivers that were taken in that round. Zay Jones, Quincy Anunua, Traquan Smith, Deshaun Jackson, Equinemius St. Brown, Deshaun Hamilton, and Jordan Matthews. So that's pretty wild. Currently, I'd rather have almost all these guys, maybe with the exception of Equinemius St. Brown and Jordan Matthews uh, than Rashard Matthews, but It's hard to say for him because he's actually not even on a team. So maybe I would rather have all those guys because they're actually on a team right now, whereas Matthews is an NFL free agent. And he's also a free agent in the diehard league because no one has picked him up. That's it. So hopefully that gives you a good idea. I think overall from these picks right here, I really nailed um, a lot of things with my strategy of getting those top receivers. I had three receivers that were in the top 12 at the end of the year. I've got great stud running backs that are super young coming into the next year. Um, as well as explosive offenses. A um, little weak at tight end, but you're going to see uh, next week that there were some creative answers that I came up with. Um, you saw that picks 14, 15, and 16 are no longer on my team. Uh, that's going to be pretty uh, normal, uh, even for the next, if you can imagine, this was 32 rounds. So I've got 16 more rounds to go. So there's definitely next week you're going to hear a lot of players that actually didn't pick my team naturally. But there's also a couple gems in there. I hit on some pretty, pretty significant players, so that'll be fun to hear, including my second-to-last pick. So the second-to-last pick in the 31st round, here's your teaser for next week, was a guy that was in my starting lineup every week uh, after he jumped to the top and really showed something. So next week I'll uh, probably be a little bit shorter because we won't have as much to comment on these lower-tier players, but I want to continue to share my draft experience with you. Hope that this helps you in your leagues. Uh, as always, feel free to make it a two way conversation anytime uh, by contacting me at dynastyfreaks.com or dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Thanks for the listen. Hope this helps you get excited for the NFL draft that's coming up next week. We'll be able to really kind of move our rookies around this next year, which will be, or this next week, which will be uh, really fun to solidify really where they're landing um, in our rookie draft order. Appreciate you giving it a listen. Uh, That's a wrap for this week. You know what to do. Until next time, go out there, get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin.